In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and communities. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thank you so much for your time, Professor Vasan. It's great to have you join us back again following the Quad Economics perspective of India and Australia that we had recently. So share with us how you are and what has life been. Thank you very much, Akashika. Namaskar. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and to the diaspora. Uh, so Minvax, as you know, is a spin-out company from the Indian Institute of Science in Bangalore, one of the uh, institutes of eminence in India. Uh, they have been working originally on flu vaccines, but after COVID, they started to develop a COVID vaccine. The COVID vaccine, they develop, uh, they have different formulations. Usually, you will have to do a preclinical testing uh, before you can proceed to clinical trials. So clinical trials is what we say we give to the humans in phase one, phase two, phase three. But before you can do that, you'll have to do some testing in animals and you have to do some safety and other testing to procure the approval to do the phase one studies. We were approached by uh, Minvax. Uh, I also happen to be an alumnus of Indian Institute of Science. So uh, the professor there, uh, Raghavan Vardarajan, uh, who's the inventor, he approached and we decided that we can help them out. What did they approach us for? So firstly, um, in an early stage testing, you don't have just one candidate. You have a number of candidates uh, and then you want to narrow down and select the best performing candidate so that all the further trials and investment can happen there. So that's something we have been helping them with. The other thing we have been helping them with is to evaluate their vaccine against the different variants of concern that we are now hearing about, the alpha, beta, gamma, delta. Now, why is this vaccine really important? Uh, it's important because, as uh, we talked about previously, this is a warm vaccine, which means it can remain at 37 degrees uh, for a month, and it can even withstand a heat shock of uh, up to 100 degrees centigrade uh, for about 90 minutes. So we are quite excited about this vaccine. And if you are interested, I can walk you through some of the results we got in my lab. So where are things following the webinar that we had? Like you were going to have few engagements. And when we were talking about uh, the status of the trial in Australia, you were you were awaiting some collaborations, etc. So how did it go with those stakeholders? Uh, absolutely. So uh, we did the evaluation of Minvax and provided the results to them. We showed that this particular vaccine, when it was given to mice, they are able to uh, generate antibody response. And we tested this antibody response against uh, live virus neutralization uh, with the alpha, beta, gamma, delta. And we were able to show that they neutralize all the variants equally well. So it's it's quite very positive, very, very uh, um, promising news for this candidate. And we shared that with them in May. And 
this vaccine, they have been looking to get funding to do phase one, phase two studies for many months now, from uh, late 2020, probably. Uh, so the results we shared with them uh, in May, uh, subsequently, we I think we met in June uh, in the webinar. And in July, I'm very pleased to let you know soon after the webinar that they've managed to raise over 4 million US dollars to do uh, phase one studies in India. So this is money raised with venture capital and they are well on their way to get started on phase one studies, which I believe would also lead to phase two studies pretty quickly. I'm so elated to hear that our webinar was able to help you really bring out uh, you know, the, the the realism of this vaccine uh, potential. So we are still in the COVID world. And like you said last time as well, Wasan, uh, uh, this is going to be an extended COVID journey for a long time. So share with us, what are the benefits of this vaccine? I mean, you said it can, it can be, uh, you know, it can stay in warm temperatures. It can beat the Delta, Gamma, and all kind of variants. Uh, given the scenario we are in at the moment, I mean, given New South Wales particularly is in uh, a lot of pain, what are your own views that what would work in that scenario? Not just the vaccine bit, but what would work? Do you think if they achieve the 70% efficacy, the vaccine, vaccine efficacy, would that, would that be okay for them to... Uh, allow the vaccinated people to move around? Would we have less deaths? Please share some insights from your expertise with us on that. So one thing is very clear, um, which is that the Delta variant of concern uh, is the most important to date. And it has certainly increased worldwide the risk of hospitalization. Uh, and this is not unsurprising because generally the transmissibility can go hand in hand with uh, severity. So what I mean by that is if a particular variant is uh, transmitting itself more easily, then uh, the it's, it's also uh, possible that it can result in more severe disease. And that mm -hmm. will happen until the world's population, uh, until most of the world's population is vaccinated, which is why those numbers that are floating around in the media you know, that to get 80, 90%, the more the merrier. But yeah. uh, certainly, you achieve that higher levels, you can uh, drive the evolution of the virus towards a, a, a less severe form. And so that's one point. The other point is, there's a study um, done in Canada from February to June, where they showed that the Delta variant um, uh, can result in 105% more hospitalization, 241% more likely to be admitted to the ICU intensive care unit, and 121% more likely to die from the disease. Now, when you look at the other variants of concern, those values were not as high. They were still high, like 52, 89, 51, but not as high as 105, 241 and 121%. So this clearly establishes that um, the, the Delta variant is problematic. Another study, uh, one of the largest of its kind in India, 
also showed that uh, mortality increased by almost 40% in the second wave. And this was particularly affecting younger people who are aged less than 45 years. So this is why uh, both in Australia and India and, in, and indeed the world, it's really important for people to come forward and get vaccinated. Now, the two vaccines which are currently available in Australia, the Pfizer and the AstraZeneca, they are uh, effective against Delta, um, in particularly preventing symptomatic disease. So if you look at the AstraZeneca, it's able to um, uh, prevent against the symptomatic disease by 61 to 72%, the Pfizer 85 to 90%. It's not perfect, but it's still reasonably high. Now, if you are infected after you get vaccinated, and that can happen, what we call breakthrough cases, um, it's likely to be a mild disease rather than a severe disease. So vaccination is absolutely worth it. And if you are vaccinated, you are also less uh, likely to shed large amounts of the virus. And therefore, it will also help to reduce the transmission uh, in the community and more importantly, allows you to protect yourself. Now, some of the vaccines that we, were, we are dealing with, which are approved at the moment, they are what we call first generation vaccines. These vaccines were developed when uh, the virus first arrived. Uh, so this was back in early 2020s. So now that we have a variant, uh, these first generation vaccines will be what we call tweaked or matched. The, the key word we use is vaccine matching. And that's a way to say that these vaccines will be slightly tweaked because now the virus has changed. So you have to change the vaccine slightly. And so subsequent booster doses will, will be slightly different to allow greater protection. Now, in parallel to that, and this is why we come to MinVax, you also have the second generation vaccines. So the second generation vaccines are those that were developed, uh, you know, subsequently. So they are not the early movers, but... Uh, in some sense, this is a marathon, Akashika. So it's not necessarily that the vaccines that, uh, you know, sprint in the first 100 meters end up being the winner in the in the end. So you may well yeah. find that there are some second generation vaccines, which mm -hmm. um, may not be the first ones to arrive, but are nevertheless uh, having some better characteristics. So the warm vaccine, which we talked about, means yes. you are completely eliminating cold chain. So you don't mm -hmm. need to refrigerate them, you, you, you know, imagine India, imagine the outbacks of Australia, and uh, large swaths of uh, Africa, where you may not have the cold chain to um, deliver the vaccine. So, right. so that's a big plus. And the other is cost. So uh, protein subunit vaccines aren't uh, very expensive. So that that's a, a positive thing. And the third thing, which I would say as an advantage is, the ability which you refer to uh, in your question of uh, neutralize the Delta variant. Now, <clears throat> remember these are still mice studies, so it's still early stages, but having said that, it's very, very promising. It's able to uh, neutralize the uh, Delta variant as well as all other variants very, very well. Uh, and these are based on early studies, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating, which is why that 4 million I mentioned to you that this MinVax has now received to actually do the studies in humans is really important because that will show whether this second generation vaccine uh, is having 
very good effectiveness compared to the matched first generation vaccines. And if it does, then it will become one of the vaccines which is used in the world's arsenal to fight against this uh, virus. What is the view of the governments of both India and Australia, like, you know, just a generic, generic view on this vaccine uh, for usage once uh, there's a breakthrough? You know, I mean, there are many puddings to eat, as you say, but uh, this being one of the most uh, important one, giving so many efficacies uh, and protection for a long time. Uh, do you think this this is um, something that would be of interest to protect the people of Australia and India? Um, early to say, but but uh, that's our hope, right? So Australian government has invested uh, substantially into this project. Uh, so the studies which we did were funded through a grant that CSIRO received from Australia's Department of Finance um, to help evaluate uh, and do these studies. Uh, so, so certainly we believe that uh, this vaccine showed promise, uh, particularly its ability to eliminate cold chain. Uh, so it's in our radar, but obviously we have to wait for the phase one, phase two study results from India to decide um, whether that's going to be considered by our Department of Health and the ATAGI to, mm-hmm. uh, for our own use. But that, that is the hope. But it has to be led by evidence, obviously, so when, and so decided when you, by the independent committees. Sure. So when 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 are you likely to hear uh, from the from uh, that this is you know when will you hear from the stakeholders that this is good to go or not good to go? Okay. It's really a question for uh, Midvax uh, uh, and Indian Institute of Science, but they are our partners, and we published one paper with them, and we are in the process of publishing a second one. So we are in touch with them and uh, helping them because there may be some new variants. So we, we will yes. be continuing to offer our support to this important vaccine candidate. Um, we believe that uh, this being a, a vaccine developed by the Indian Institute of Science, which is a public sector institute in India and you know, and with CSIRO's involvement as Australia's science agency, clearly there is, uh, governmental support, indirect governmental support from both sides. Um, It remains to be seen whether this gets escalated to the kind of prime ministerial discussions that that, uh, happens between uh, Prime Minister Modi and Prime Minister Morrison uh, and and, and other bilateral conversations if uh, if it makes it to that level and if it captures their imagination, then obviously that would be a very, very good outcome. However, as a government servant from Australia, what we are trying to do is our best, which is to help support our partners in India because it's a global effort to fight this pandemic. And uh, we believe that uh, ISC is looking at uh, approximately six months is what I understand, uh, but you will have to check with them before uh, phase one studies can be started because they are still uh, getting their ducks in a row, and uh, we'll be watching this vaccine very closely. I would imagine from uh, all the different agencies in Australia. Sure, Vasan. So this notorious virus, you know, I tell you, it's it's really created a havoc. 
is it showing any um you know new variants or any what's the future of this virus that's a very important question many would like to know <laughs> it's one of the most difficult to answer uh, so back in uh, you know february march we wrote one of the earliest papers on predicting how this virus would evolve and uh, sadly most of those predictions have come true in terms of the virus accumulating mutations um, so that which also shows to you that there is nothing to fear too much because this is something we expect as scientists so this is an rna virus um and viruses continuously evolve and throw variants at you and that's not to uh, you know be too worried about uh, so what i would say is that the, the the variants will come we are now beginning to understand this virus better uh, able to predict and identify mutations of uh, consequence and we are hoping that by keeping up with the virus or uh even try and predict how the virus would evolve so keeping one step ahead of the virus the global community coordinated by the who and uh, other bodies are now um, scanning for those variants which are emerging uh and testing them by sharing resources across the world testing them quickly and identifying which ones will be a problem bear in mind apart from uh the four variants of concern alpha beta gamma delta there are four variants of interest which are eta iota kappa and lambda which are greek uh, alphabets really letters and um, um the variant of interest is one step below variant of concern uh, there is one which is above variant of concern which is called variant of high consequence thankfully we don't yet have a variant of high consequence uh you at the moment uh, delta is not one but it may well become a variant of high consequence if it continues some of these other variants of interest might get upgraded to a sort of variant of concern personally i anticipate that before the end of this year we may well have another at least one variant of concern at this stage once again mm -hmm. that's here uh, it's something we just need to uh continue to look at vaccine efficacy the therapeutic efficacy and mm -hmm. uh, keep up with the virus really yeah 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 no hats off to you wasan it's it's a very important information and we are so lucky to be getting this straight from you today um what are the other collaborations you and your uh, colleagues or comrades are currently working on with india on on covid i mean india is the pharmaceutical market of the world so what's hot there uh so obviously we talked about vaccines a lot with minvax we are we have been work we have had collaborations with uh on the evolution of the virus uh from the csiro um a few colleagues of mine and myself we work with the IGIB uh, which is um in one of the CSIR laboratories in Delhi uh, but more importantly and recently we established a major collaboration with uh, the Birla Institute of Technology and Science in Pilani in Rajasthan which is one of the institutes of eminence uh, in India and uh, they are supporting us with uh, both uh, what we call pharmacoinformatics and 
uh, also machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, support. So it's it's primarily a technology school. Um, and also my alma mater, I did my undergraduate there. So we are currently working on a project with uh, the MRFF, which stands for the Medical Research Future Fund, which is an Australian government competitive funding, uh, which we recently uh, received uh, in starting July this year to look at repurposing drugs. So the idea there is uh, COVID, you have vaccines. There are hundreds of vaccines in development. But as we know, vaccines are not perfect and you may still fall ill. Uh, not as likely, but, but still you will have uh, cases. So we also need to look at therapy. So if you do fall ill, in spite of the precautions, you need something to treat uh, the patients. Now, people are looking at new drugs, novel drugs, but uh, another interesting idea is that in, you can also look at repurposing drugs. So if you walk into the pharmacy, into the chemist shop, you will find you know thousands of drugs which are approved uh, by the TGA, FDA, et cetera, and the Indian regulators. But um, what about some of those drugs? Maybe they can uh, act against COVID. So we are being funded at the moment to use stem cell derived models to look for uh, already approved drugs and see if there are some drugs which we can uh, repurpose. Now, if we are using those um, organoid models, uh, then we don't need to do animal studies because they are already approved drugs. We, if, if a drug shows promise, we can go straight into a, a phase two uh, studies in human, which can substantially cut down the time and, and, and save lives. Uh, the problem we had was uh, there are nearly 8,000 such drugs. So where do you start? And you can't evaluate them all. So we are now working with Pilani and with Monash University and uh, several other universities, Griffith University here in Australia, in a multilateral partnership to down-select using machine learning and pharmacoinformatics so that you don't have to deal with 8,000, if you can narrow that down to about 100, then it makes life easy. So that collaboration has just started and I'm quite excited about it. And uh, it's, it's a great example of how India can contribute not only to manufacturing vaccines and drugs and generics, but also is increasingly the leading institutes in India like ISC, Pilani, et cetera, are um, now playing a major role in the research side as well, which personally I think is fantastic. That's brilliant, Vasan. So would you get to fly to India or uh, something like that? I mean, we all are dying to visit India, especially the diaspora. Um, what do you think? I mean, of course, this is not uh, tourism and repatriation and opening the borders is not under your jurisdiction. But what are your broader thoughts uh, with this virus scenario? When will this happen? We have to wait. We all have family, extended family in India. I mean, it's uh, the, the the COVID. I mean, we've had deaths in the family due to COVID, in the extended family, and even in uh, some of my close family. Uh, we have uh, so many people now. My uh, Raki sister was saying she has long COVID, um, and and so you you actually have a lot of uh, personal tragedies and stories here. Uh, my parents, you know, stuck in India, um, my wife's parents. So I think um, it, 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 
it is a challenging situation. Uh, we have to be patient. Uh, we can't let emotion, uh, you know, dictate these things. We have to look at the greater good. And I think, and unless we get majority of the people vaccinated in both countries, realistically, it's going to be very hard uh, to expect either prime ministers and and the governments to open the borders. So, on one sense, we as as citizens, we hope, we want to see, but uh, we also have to take uh, as you know, responsible citizens, we have to uh, be patient. And I think that that's very, very critical. On the other hand, I'll talk something positive as well, that, you know, who, who knew that all these Zoom and Skype and so on, you know, 20 years ago, you, you know, 30 years ago, you have to book a trunk call and talk to people. But now I'm able to talk to my parents, you know, or, or my mom-in-law, uh, as if I can see them in front of me, because even in villages, you now have very good connectivity. So I, I believe that has mitigated some of the loneliness and uh, frustrations that clearly we as diaspora face. Uh, so yeah, so I think it's a it's a complex question and we have to do our civic duty. Uh, we have to do our part by getting vaccinated. I think that that's the biggest uh, message I would give is the sooner we get a vast majority of people vaccinated, uh, the quicker we um, are enabling the governments of different countries to open the borders. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Vasan. This is an incredible, incredible piece, a historic piece, I must say. And I'm sure a few years down the line, when we reflect on this podcast of yours, we will be far away in a much more positive world. And I look forward to also having you back as we continue the journey to those next five years to ensure our diaspora gets the latest from you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Uh, namaskar. Namaskaram. Namaskaram.